Welcome to the Partnership Economy. This podcast explores the power of partnerships through candid conversations with industry leaders. Join our hosts, Dave Yavano, CEO, and Todd Crawford, co-founder of Impact.com, as they unpack the future of partnerships as a lever for scale and an opportunity to put the consumer first. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Impact.com's The Partnership Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Crawford, co-founder and vice president of strategic initiatives at Impact.com. And today I have Adam Weiss, principal consultant at Weiss Digital Consulting. Adam, I've really been looking forward to our conversation all week. So welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, Todd. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. I, I, we got some good stuff to unpack here. And before we do that, why don't you kind of just unpack a little bit of Adam? Like, who are you? What have you done? Just give us a little more insights into your journey that brought you here today. Sure. So I've, I've been in the digital space for about 20 years now, but uh, the majority of my career in the affiliate space. And as you know, I spent about 14 or so years at a company formerly called Linkshare, now called Rakuten Advertising few different things there. I kind of think about my career there in kind of three chapters. Um, started on the publisher side of the business and ultimately built out that team. And then I always joke, you don't get a new job, you get an additional job. So I was still running the publisher team, but then had the opportunity to work on a little bit more of the, uh, the strategy as it related to affiliate, you know, some corp dev stuff and things like that. And that ultimately led me to the third chapter, which was running the affiliate business in North America. So as a general manager of the North American affiliate business for probably about four years. And then the last three or so years, I've been consulting, focused on the publisher side of our industry and helping with everything from strategy to partnership development, operations, marketing, and all the stuff that I think publishers need to help make them successful in the space. Well, that's good to hear because I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think publishers kind of built their business, put some links on their site, and there's a little bit more to it now than that. And uh, a lot of opportunity for growth and expansion and diversification. So that that's that's a very valuable service strategy that you're doing now. I, I'm excited about that. Thanks. Yeah. So as I said, I'm super excited to be talking with you. And I follow a, a little bit of a format when I do my uh interviews or whatever you want to call it, discussions. Uh-huh. And what I wanted to really understand when you look at the industry today, kind of what's top of your mind right now? What are you thinking about? What's got your attention? It's a great question. There's so much happening. I feel like, you know, every few hours, there's something different that's top of mind. But a couple of things I would touch on here. I think as an industry, we talk a lot about growth in the industry, what's coming, And I think about that a lot. And I think we've been talking for a while about content. And I feel like content as a distribution mechanism for the affiliate industry is actually at a point of maturity. There is a lot of it. I think we're at an interesting inflection point now where there's a lot of dollars going towards content. And from the advertiser perspective, thinking about it now from the perspective of segmentation versus, you know, hitting a point of saturation. And what I mean by that is with so much content out there, we really need to be, really need to start thinking about it a little bit differently from a strategic perspective in the channel, almost as like a subcategory of publishers in the channel. And how do you break that up and think about it from a budget perspective, from a marketing perspective, you know, which publishers are the right fit in my portfolio as it relates to all these different content plays that are out there today. 
So when you talk about content publishers, what kind of goes into that bucket from your perspective? I mean, I think there's a lot, right? It started back in the day where it was just blogs, right? Probably dating oh, yeah. myself a little bit. But well, GeoCity you- pages would really be dating you. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Todd? I never heard of that. But no, I think you, know, you have product reviews. You have gift guides, you know, you have email marketing, you know, you have tutorials, you have all kinds of reviews. I just think that there's a lot of different types of content out there. The same way, arguably, you know, there's a lot of different loyalty rewards out there. It's not all just cashback. There's points and there's charity and there's different types of rewards, whether it's travel or banking. And, you know, I think we're really at a great place where we have so many partners in the space, whether it's content or loyalty or even coupons and deals, that we have a real great opportunity to start segmenting and, you know, applying different strategies to these different partners because all of them kind of make your affiliate program work from that portfolio perspective, right? There's a lot of differentiation between each of them and you could use each of them to pull different levers in terms of what you're trying to do as an advertiser. Yeah. And a lot of these sites, you know, the the BuzzFeeds or the CNN underscores, these larger publications, I mean, the content, the breadth and depth is varied, right? It can be gift guides. It can be product reviews and comparisons. It can be just new product launches, things like that. It's not very narrow. And so when you kind of think about even within a single publisher, content publisher, you know, there can be more financial related articles about, you know, how to save money or how to, which credit card you should consider and things like that versus I always use top five chef knives as a, as an example, like (laughs) which, which chef knife should I buy? Right. So I think, you know, not only just segmenting the publishers out into like what they maybe focus more on, but then within that, what content really is a good fit for you. Because I agree, there's a ton of content publishers now, but it seems like the demand is still very, very high. I mean, I don't think totally. there's enough supply because they can't produce the articles at the rate. Like I can put you on my cashback or my loyalty site tomorrow. I don't have to create a lot of content for that. Likewise, if you have coupons and deals, I can get you on my site very easily. There's not a lot of work that has to be done. So I think that's really the push and pull there is... It's just, it's never, no one's satisfied. Everybody, I mean, how many years have we been in the industry and everybody's been screaming for content publishers? And here we are, right? And I think you you hit it, right? Because it's, that's like the next kind of segmentation, right? Is vertically, audience size, additional reach, right? Through social channels and email and things like that as well. So you really, it is, it becomes really three-dimensional how you could look at your partners, I think is is a great thing. And then the other thing, which you, you touched on is traffic acquisition and figuring out, you know, do I have a real niche here, getting it ranked in Google or recognized one way or the other. And that's a, it's a challenge, but a huge opportunity as well in the space. Yeah. I think for any brands listening right now or agencies, even, you know, if you have products that sell really well on your site that you want to sell more and you want to or with content publishers, just type into Google, you know, top five, like I said, chef knives and see the what's ranking organically. And I mean, it is all of the content publishers because they've written these kind of articles. Yep. And that stuff is evergreen. I mean, Google loves it. The consumer loves it. It's a high value content. It's written objectively by the editorial team and then monetized separately by the monetization team or the advertiser team, as they might call themselves, you know, that where they work with brands to, to get the links placed in those articles. So to me, 
that's some of the most valuable real estate you can get out there. Likewise, the YouTube, right. you know, the product reviews, the the new product launches, the comparisons, the, you know, it's just, the difference is it's a lot of work. It's not as easy as just putting a link, like, or getting a GeoCities page and putting banners on it, right? <laughs> well, that wasn't really easy, was it? But no, you're, you're spot on. And also, you know, when you do those searches, like for the top five chef knives, I'll tell you, like, I think it was over the summer I was I bought a an electric smoker for the for the outside and like there are all these niche sites like you said the top five electric smokers I know nothing about that or you know looking for running shoes you know or things like that as I started running which I'm not great at but those types that you get really niche and there is so much of it out there that you know you really get a it shows the growth for the industry as more and more of these sites are getting into the space. And then on the flip side, you know, the bigger entities out there starting to roll these sites up, which I think is interesting also. Yeah, that's definitely starting to happen. It's really interesting. Just the whole industry has started seeing roll-ups. I mean, affiliate network acquisitions, agency roll-ups, publisher roll-ups. And that's a good thing because I mean, there's people paying attention and seeing the potential here. And that's where that those investment dollars are going. So that's been really exciting, just the dollars coming into the industry. So anything else that's top of your mind right now? So I think, like I said, there's a whole bunch. I'm always interested seeing new technology that publishers are testing out. I feel like there's been a little bit of a resurgence in the on-site shopping cart technology, you know, the on-site, the universal checkouts on-site, which I think is still in its infancy, but publishers are taking notice of it. It seems like it's a little bit of a Venn diagram with affiliate in some cases, but I find that to be pretty interesting. And when I think about that, you start to see publishers testing out on-site checkout and you even see some publishers with their own e-commerce stores, branded e-commerce stores. And then when you look at the flip side where you see advertisers who are building content and you see advertisers who are even putting coupon codes on their site, it feels like there's this almost convergence of the two that I think is an interesting dynamic. What will happen because of that? I don't know if I have a thought on that yet, but I do it's something I've taken notice of because I do think it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic in the industry. Yeah, I think the the real test here is just consumer adoption. Is a customer comfortable? consumer comfortable using a universal shopping cart where maybe they're buying from multiple brands at once. The convenience is certainly there, but is the trust there? Like, how does this work and how do I get informed and track? And maybe there's loyalty, you know, rewards within that brand that I'm buying from. So and what does that, it mean for the brand and the advertiser too, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and some of the brands, I know I've heard them say, we don't want consumers checking out unless it's on our website, right? I mean, selfishly, right? I mean, yeah, no, that's, I want that's you logged exactly. in. I want the data. I don't, maybe don't get the same amount kind of data that I can analyze and run my business off of. So it's, I think the proof, you know, is le- it's still out there, but I, I do see what you're saying. It's definitely, it's not like it, this didn't, this universal shopping cart is a new thing. I mean, it, 10, 20 right. years ago, people were talking about it or trying it. It just didn't work very well and never got adoption. So I guess, and, you know, at the end of the day, is the consumer going to go for it? And, and now the distribution side, there's so much more volume and customers that are coming through it. I think it's a little bit easier to test and validate it as well today. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's easier to share data as well. 
mm-hmm. with APIs and things that in the past weren't as robust or didn't exist at all. So yeah, I, I definitely see your point there. I think, especially with mobile, you know, the ability to have an app that lets me shop everywhere on the internet or most places, just basically get what I want at the right price. That could be pretty, pretty appealing. So absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. And and it's weird too. I mean, not weird, but the publishers are the ones trying this a little bit because I mean, they've got traffic. They want it to stick. They want them to stay there and come there for that purpose versus reading content and maybe clicking a link that takes them somewhere else. And it creates diversification for them as well. And, you know, allows you to test different things, ultimately see what performs and potentially access to other budgets and things like that. I think that's a good strategy. Yeah. Like I said, we'll see how the consumer responds. But uh, I think I think that COVID really pushed people to adopt things that they probably wouldn't have adopted if it hadn't been for COVID or would have taken years. I've said this in other podcasts and webinars that I've done recently, like just the food delivery, whether groceries or um, restaurant food, especially some of the older people that maybe would never have done it, right? They weren't even doing Uber to take trips, you know, much less Uber Eats. So suddenly the COVID pushed them to do things that they probably weren't going to naturally do. And then you had just other people, you know, younger people start habituating to it more. And now that COVID isn't going away yet, but as COVID one day goes away, I think that habituation is going to stick and people, you know, buy online, pick up a curbside, things like that too. It's just why go in and walk around in a store if I don't have to? So I uh, think this, could, totally this could be part of that. You know, why not? I'm, I'm open, more open-minded. I've adopted things that I wouldn't. Totally agree. And I think, you know, it is, it's a little bit outside of the affiliate partnership discussion, but I, I, the food delivery example, the grocery delivery example is so spot on, you know, hi, mom, if you're listening, but she, my mom, like, you know, it was like a big deal. To, to get the food delivered to her house and to, you know, select it online and then, you know, have it dropped off at her front door. Now, this is like commonplace, you yeah. know? So I think you're, you're spot on there. And to be honest, to tie it back to, to affiliate, the, the same kind of, in the same vein, you know, even just when you show somebody, do a search online for the top five steak knives or look up the brand that you're shopping at, perhaps there's a free shipping coupon. It's your, your teaching the behavior and you know how people think about shopping online ultimately changes. And I always felt like the publishers and the affiliate side were kind of the, the drivers of that, whether it is finding a, a coupon code or getting educated about particular products. And most importantly, they're, in my mind, kind of um, a third-party validation, right? That you're getting the best deal or getting, you know, this honest review about a particular product. And I always felt that was really valuable regarding the distribution in our ecosystem here. Yeah, I 100% agree. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to know what's keeping you up at night. What's got you all worried or excited that you can't sleep? Either way. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a couple of things. I mean, I guess on a personal level, right, I'm running my own business. It's just me. I got a million things to think about, to do from strategy to execution to making decisions and where I'm taking this, what I'm doing for clients. Like it's a lot. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. a lot. But I'm fortunate, you know, to have a, a good supporting cast, I'd say, on the, you know, helping me out along the way. But, you know, again, being kind of a, a quote solopreneur, that I would say is one of the, the big things that 
keeps me up at night. I think there's, you know, I also think a lot about, you know, some of the stuff we're just talking about and kind of what's coming next in the space. And, you know, it's just, there's the industry's evolving at such a rapid pace. I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. I mean, in our time in the space, you know, I think we would both agree, like right now, like the, the hockey stick that is happening, not only in terms of transactional volume, but just the publishers that are coming online, the advertisers that are adopting this as a channel, it's happening so fast and you constantly want to stay on top of it and think about, you know, what's next, what's coming down the pike, what do I have to sort of have my eye on in terms of development of distribution and, you know, what's new, what's interesting, where budget's going to be shifted to. So I think about that a lot. Um, Hey, I hear you there. I think it is a little cliche, but I mean, you think about just even technology in general, that's always the discussion, like how rapidly, you know, from the 50s forward to now, humans have to consume and and learn and evolve their expertise in, you know, how phones went from landlines to mobile phones that were just the same thing to you know, more of a smartphone and even just newer apps, newer services coming online on those phones, people understanding how to use them and when to download them much less in our space. I I agree. I think the innovation is definitely accelerating and there's more happening at once. It's not like one new thing than another new thing. It's multi-thread and you've got people in our space, they do need to stay on top of that. And it can be kind of stressful or even just like having to stop doing your job or as part of your job, paying attention to that and figuring out when, when is it important enough to try to engage with it? Because you don't want to be the last one in. Usually. Well, I think, I think that's a, a good point. And one of the things I think about a lot is that level of engagement, right? There's always new stuff. And I, I just think it's super important, especially as someone who works with you know, startups in our space, you know, publishers who are just coming online. I always tell folks, have a conversation. And again, it's cliche, I know. And yes, we're in a partnership space, so we should be having these conversations, but maybe it's not right for your brand or your agency, your network or whatever it is. But I feel like there's always an opportunity to learn something in terms of what people are thinking. Maybe the idea today for, you know, publisher site X is not fully baked. Maybe it's not going to totally stick, but it might be the start of something, right? It might help us kind of shape how we think a little bit about our overall strategy. And I do think it's important that, you know, especially when you're on the advertiser side, the agency side, the account management side of things, having those conversations with publishers who are early on in their journey is super important because you can learn a lot. And again, it might not be something that's going to happen tomorrow, it might not be next week. That person might not be at that same company, you know, a year from now, but that connection will be important as things continue to evolve. And I just, I think that's super critical for our space to grow. This podcast is brought to you by impact.com, the leading global partnership management platform. Impact.com is your marketplace to discover and manage all types of partnerships, including affiliates, influencers, B2B partners, and commerce content publishers. And to kind of pile on top of that, I think having those conversations, even as a brand or an agency and telling that nascent publisher that's got a, they think is a great idea, giving them feedback on maybe your concerns or 
just ideas of where this would be, be more valuable to you, helps them understand what they can do, not only to build a better solution, but how to better position it, right? hundred percent. grow their business. I mean, I have conversations like this all the time with companies. We may never do anything with them or not, not initially, but it's that feedback. That's how people figure out like what resonates, what works. Like when we started Impact, we had our ideas of what was great about it. But until we had, you know, medium to large size customers using it and giving us that feedback themselves, that dramatically improved our ability to focus on what we needed to focus on to make better or to expand on, but also just in selling or positioning it with prospects. I can't underemphasize that enough. That was huge for us. And I think to your point, these conversations, setting aside 10% of your time to try to have those conversations, you know, whether it's with existing partners or and what they're thinking of doing that's new, coming down, you know, what's their roadmap look like, trying to just understand what's coming that maybe you can participate in as a beta or a, when it's ready, you'll, you'll get to hear more kind of thing, have them make a note about that to come back to you. It's, it's, it's can make a big difference down the road. And, and because like, again, it's cliche, but it's a partnership ecosystem we're in, there's a give and a get. Sometimes you have something that you might not even realize that might be secondary to you, but the advertiser says, hey, that's actually pretty neat. And that's something where I might want to invest on. And then you're going to pour some, pour some gasoline on that, right? Exactly. And yeah. I also think, you know, to your point about putting 10% of your time aside, just wherever you're at in your career, I almost look at it as a career development thing, just talking to people and hearing what they have to say and what they're thinking about and what their opinions are you know, on our industry. There's a lot to learn, you know, from so many people in the space. I think that really comes down to this concept of networking too. And I I worry that a lot of people think networking is just being LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or some Slack groups where you're making comments. But I mean, having that 20, 30 minute conversation over Zoom even, or at a conference or at a bar with somebody about something they're doing or you're interested in or just that exchange, that's really what networking is because those relationships carry down the road. I've had numerous people reach out to me 10, 15 years after that kind of conversation saying, I've always had it in the back of my mind if I started another company that I'd want to pick your brain about this. And to me, that's a huge compliment. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm excited that they're doing something new and I want to hear about it. And even if it doesn't apply, if there's any advice or, you know. I've had the same, you know, or similar experiences as well. And, you know, it's like there should also be, in my opinion, no like preconceived notions. No one's like selling anything all the time. It's just, your, exactly. it's okay. It's okay to reach out and just have a conversation with somebody, hear what they're up to, share what you're up to. Sometimes you just, part ways, never speak again. Like you said, sometimes they parachute out of nowhere a few years later and there's an opportunity. Or I've had many instances where I've spoken to people and I'm like, you should talk to this person or this person. Um, And that helps them and vice versa, you know? So you're spot on. It's really is. I hope it doesn't become like a lost skill in terms of networking. And it's a good thing. Definitely. Yeah. And I think no matter where you are in your career, getting in the habit of doing that will pay off for sure. You know, it's similar to coming from a certain university, you know, that some 
tend to have more networking capabilities and, and ability to see opportunities from those relationships or fraternities or sororities, things like that, that mm-hmm. where that those initial networkings carry relationships carry for years. And there are people you can ping, like you said, just to ask, who do you know that I can get this information from or talk to about this if it's not you, right? Or just, oh yeah, actually I spoke to Todd and he mentioned this, you should talk to him, right? And then you just yeah. connect people connecting, because, you, connecting, because yeah. you, you listen, you took 20, 30 minutes to listen to what someone had to say, right? And in our world, hopefully that forms good partnerships over time between advertisers and publishers. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Anything else uh, keeping you up at night that you want to? I mean, we could talk do a about podcast or... for like four hours yeah. about what keeps me up at night, but <laughs> right. <laughs> well, let's move there. on to what industry dynamics have your attention. I know we probably touched on a little of this, but anything else that comes to mind? Yeah, we touched a little bit earlier, but you know, the whole kind of the growth of publishers something I I really am paying attention to, and you know, again, not to totally date myself, but some of these publishers are, I shouldn't say some, a lot of them are bigger than the advertisers, right? Back in the day, that wasn't always the case. And I've, I've said this before, but I still think it's pretty awesome when I see, you know, I don't know, three, four, whatever, different NBA teams with publisher logos, affiliate publisher logos on their jerseys. You know, they're yeah. huge. And then what we, we touched on before, kind of the roll-up of a lot of these as well, whether it's publishers, agencies networks. That certainly has my attention. And and tied to that, I always think about the industry, especially like in a conference setting, right? You have advertisers, publishers, networks, and agencies. But I feel like there's a new kind of entrant, which is the investment community. Like there's a lot more of that in the space. And that is a dynamic that makes me excited about where things are going. Yeah, it's a shame that we aren't able to do as many in-person conferences, but I, I 100% agree that they're in the mix now. They're at the shows. They're making, It's kind of like uh, scouts, you know, at college <laughs> games, NFL yeah. scouts at, at high school games looking for the next talent that they might want. I see these investors sniffing around. I mean, they've got money. They want to put it somewhere. And the light bulb has gone off that, you know, this partnership economy, you know, as affiliate has evolved, there's not really a brand out there that poo-poos that channel anymore. You know, there may be some pros and cons to it in their mind, but I don't see any brand saying we think we're going to do without it. You know, I mean, it's just too material and uh, the data supports it, right? So it's uh, it's nice yep. to see the investment dollars. I, to me, that's the best news you can ever have if you're in any industry. Agree. And, you know, you have a lot of folks who have had successful exits in our space who are seemingly investing back into the space as well, which I think draws a lot of attention to what's happening here. And that in turn provides ideas to newer entrepreneurs who want to do things to either improve something that exists already or, you know, start something new, a new way to think about how to capture that customer and build trust with the end consumer like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and that kind of ties back to your first point. These publishers that are really brands now that consumers trust and rely on, right? More so than the advertiser or the retailer because you telling me to buy your products, okay, great. But when I have a publisher, somebody who that's what they do, they publish content and they're not biased. To me, that's way better than advertising. I mean, 
there's just no comparison. You really can't be online, I guess even offline, without that third-party validation, that unbiased, whether it's, you know, the feedback and the, you know, people, you know, on your site telling you what they think of your products, but having the YouTubers and the people on Instagram doing product reviews or recommendations, and then these larger publishers, to me, that all amplifies you and helps the consumer make an informed decision that you can't do for them. You can't produce that same content and mm-hmm. be as genuine or as believable. I mean, you can certainly say we're, we're putting together good gift guides. And by the way, everything is on our site, which, okay, fine. Those are helpful, but I don't think there is as instrumental. Yeah, I agree. I think there's like anything, right? There's certain things, you know, think about just all the things that we have to buy in our daily lives, right? And there are certain things that you have a probably a very specific interest in, or I do, and, you know, whatever those are, like we have our brand, right? Like it could be for, you know, running shoes, we're just, we're, we're Nike guys, or for computers, you're an Apple guy and you buy Apple products. But when it comes to like, I don't know, cookware, what's the right thing to purchase? Or, you know, if I, whatever the product is you need, right? I bought a new TV recently. What's the right yep. one to buy? I'm not like an expert in that. Mattresses, so that's where e-bikes. I mean, it just and that's goes where you need on help. and on. Yeah. That's yeah. People, it's expensive, right? I'm not going to spend four figures on a TV if I don't have to, or if I'm not going to make a mistake, I don't want to make a mistake, right? Same with an e-bike. They're I'll not tell cheap. you the truth. With TVs, when I did, I actually spent more money on the TV because of the reviews I read online. I was like, oh, that makes sense. And boom, You got to pay are. more to get more. Yeah, I need <laughs> <Exactly>. that. <laughs> so someone got you. a better commission because of that. <laughs> that's true. And, uh, you know, again, that's, that's really the value here is that consumers want to be informed to make a decision. And I don't think as the advertiser or the the retailer, you can necessarily be that. You need that outside opinion. Yeah, third-party validation, right? And the Gen Z, Gen X people, that's they're, they're not the millennials. They, that's what they want. They don't like advertising. There's tons of studies around that. So this is really what, to me, works. And uh, chasing them around, you know, with retargeting or, you know, showing up in feeds, it helps. It's not, mm-hmm. but to me, it, nothing compares to a good, product review. Agree. Well, I think we're both biased too, but I agree. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a huge consumer. So, I mean, I, I unfortunately buy lots of stuff and, you know, so I'm always doing my research and figuring out what I want to buy. I don't just typically, you know, especially if it's something expensive or something that I want to own for a long time, you want to make sure your those dollars go to the right product, right? You're right. And actually I have kids and I'm trying to instill that in them as well. And you know, you want them to learn the right behaviors and, you know, it sounds funny, but do your research and these are actually affiliate sites and they could tell you, you know, what the right computer monitor is or, you know, the right graphics card is to buy for your computer or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, we've covered a lot today. Let's wrap this yeah. up a little. I'm interested to hear who has been a mentor or influential in your career over the years? Because you've definitely done a lot and uh, I know you've been involved and, you know, worked with a lot of great people. So uh, I love that question. I love the question. I don't love the questions. I know I'm going to forget people. There's, there's just like, you know, there's so many folks along the way. I would say, you know, from early in my career, Todd, like Steve Denton, who was the former president at LinkShare, was um, a true, not only a mentor, but like a role model just a great guy and a great 
leader and I think kind of helped set me on my way career-wise. And also early in my career, I worked for Kelly Boer at LinkShare. She later spent a lot of time at Retail Me Not. She really gave me, I think, the structure that I needed to kind of advance in my career and kind of get to where I got to at Rackington. So early on, they were those two I, I really I think about a lot in terms of uh, influencing, you know, the direction of, of my career. And then, you know, when I was fortunate enough to be in the GM role at Rackton, you know, my partner was Melissa Feemster, outstanding human being, great to work with. And, you know, we were fortunate to have just a great, great team. I would love to sit here and just list off like 200 people <laughs> that, right. that work with us. And when I was, you know, when I was running the business, just the leadership team there, like Adam, Alex, Chris, Kieran, Christy, you know, Nicole, there's right. I'm probably forgetting people. There, there's just so many folks that were helpful. And then I think, you know, more recently running my own business, like I told you, you know, what keeps me up at night and, you know, doing it on my own. There are a lot of folks who've been supportive. I would say two people that come to mind, though. One, I think you, you probably know is, uh, is Paul Nichols. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, Paul, I haven't yeah. heard his name in a while. I, I, I've always <laughs> admired him and, and considered him a good friend. Yeah, he's yeah. been around forever. Yeah. He's great. You know, he kind of did what I'm doing. And I think one of the one of the few people that kind of, you know, did it and did it successfully. And I had reached out to him a little while back. And, you know, he, he takes the time, you know, to help me out. When I call him and I'm like, here's a, an immediate problem, he pushes me like, you know, well, let's think about three years. Let's think about five years, you know, what's going on. And I just totally appreciate his help and, and support. And then, well, before you go to anybody yeah, else, yeah. I just want to, yeah, in yeah. case Paul tunes in, I just want to say hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great, great guy. And then, you know, I would say also, there's a, a guy who I used to work with who, you know, I'd be doing a disservice if I said a former coworker, because he's just a good friend at this point, but his name is Danny Corianos. And we met through an acquisition that uh, Rathman had done of a company called MediaForge, where he worked at and became part of the team. And, you know, we just hit it off and, you know, he's moved on from Rackington, but I reach out to him all the time. Super smart guy, always makes time, really thoughtful, like super helpful. Would honestly say, I don't know if I could keep doing what I'm doing without having him and people like him, you know, to lean on. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have so many folks who've been helpful, influential to me in my career. It's awesome. Comes back to our whole networking thing, right? Like if you hadn't been yeah. networking so strongly all these years, <laughs> you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, that's the, to me is key. You build those relationships and they, they change over time and, you know, you work together, but then you haven't worked together for years and yet you're still connected yeah. and, and helping each other. Well, it's not even, you know, it gets to the point though, where it's, it's not even networking, right? It's like, these are people who are all part of your life and, you know, just kind of help you along the way. It's, it's almost second nature, right? And frankly, right. if they called me, I wouldn't think twice to help them. That's Anyone true. calls me, I don't think twice. I would love to, I love talking to everybody. And it's, you know, it's humbling when people reach out to you for help and advice, as I know they do, you know, to you a lot. And I enjoy that stuff. And it's, it's good yep. to kind of just be part of the fabric of everything you're doing. hundred percent. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. This thank has you. been amazing. I appreciate your insights as always. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see each other in person one of these days. I know we're on the opposite coast, but uh, you know, I think it's a 2022 window now. 2021 is already done. <laughs> 
I, uh, I, I think hope there are so. a few. Yeah, it's just it's not not getting where we need to go, but hopefully we will soon. And um, I look forward to touching bases somehow, some way in the future. I appreciate the opportunity to be on, and thanks a lot, Todd. This is great. Mm-hmm.